yeah, what a week I'm having. What a week I'm having. Do you know what I did today? No word of a lie. This isn't a distasteful gag or a silly joke. Um, I sent the mother-in-law some money for her birthday. Uh, trying to score a few points. Like I said, I'd throw, throw a few bob towards the mother-in-law in France. I did that because last night the future missus was talking about going to the post office to send her mother's present to her. And again this morning she was saying I've got to go to the post office to send the present to my mummy. And I'm thinking, yeah, round about this time of the year is her mother's birthday. So I'd better send her a few bob via bank transfer. Uh, It isn't her birthday. It's Mother's Day in France on Sunday. I'll never see that money again. I'm properly pissed off about it. I really am. It's uh, just gone five o'clock. How are you, by the way? It's Tuesday, the 24th of May, 2022. It's the BBG with you till seven. Thanks for finding me. Uncensored. Unfiltered. You're listening to Richie Allen on the world's most popular independent news radio show. Yeah, that's the one, all right. Mother-in-law's. It's the Richie Allen Show. Broadcasting live on RichieAllen.co.uk and multiple platforms around the world. And now, here's your host, Richie Allen. Yeah, it gets even better. When I told the missus what I had done, she said, but don't you remember it was her birthday in March and you sent her some money to buy herself something nice. So I've either got early onset dementia or Alzheimer's or something. I have no idea. But I'm out of pocket. Listen, Michael Rivero joins the programme. Michael will be with me live at around about 5.30. That's in uh, 27 and a half minutes time. Love the man, whatreallyhappened.com. We will run the rule over the biggest news stories of the day. And then shortly after 6 o'clock, shortly after 6 o'clock, mind, it's over to you. I'll be taking your phone calls. It's your call. Skype. Chat with Richie or call 0161 818 2018. If you're calling from overseas, it's plus 44 161 818 2018. Talk to Richie now. No, don't talk to me now, gobshites, gobsheens. Talk to me just after six o'clock. I'll play the jingle again before speaking with Michael. The memes. Are on. I'll put them on the website, on the comment segment of the website. Do drop me a line. If you're on Skype and you'd like to get in early, send a message to chat with Richie before six o'clock. I'll take your calls, as I said, some, some, sometime just after six, up until 7pm. Howdy. This party gate stuff is becoming an almighty boil on our arses, isn't it? It's a pain in the arse, but it's also very telling and, and very revealing. People are awful, aren't they? And I don't mean that goon Boris Johnson and the Muppets who surround him, but I mean the people who are losing their collective excrement at the fact that he had parties while they were staying at home and not visiting Granny in the care home where Granny was basically imprisoned. And they're blaming Johnson for that. Narcissism reigns. Nobody, I don't know anybody outside of my tiny circle who has the, the, the strength of character to look in the mirror and say, I'm the plonker here, not Boris Johnson. Johnson is a plonker. He's a wanker, but for a lot of other different reasons. He's a little monster, a little toad of a human being, vermin. He's disgusting, 
But he's not to blame for you not going to see Granny or even Mum or Dad in the care home. You're to blame. Jackie Devi, the wonderful Jackie Devi, took her father, John, may God have mercy on his soul, took him out of the care home that he was living in because she couldn't tolerate it. The idea that she couldn't go and see him and look after him and be with him and play a game of cards with him or have a cup of tea with him. To those whinging and wailing and screaming that they obeyed the rules, why did you obey the rules? I didn't obey the rules. I knew they were arbitrary at best, utterly tyrannical at worst. I didn't obey them. I don't blame Johnson. Blame you for following them. But they won't let this go. Photographs have emerged, one in particular of Johnson standing seemingly holding a glass of wine or champers or cava, knowing the the, the, the Muppets who surround Johnson, it's probably Freixnet Kava. How do you pronounce that? F-R-E-I-X-N-E-T. Freixnet. 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 Whatever it is. Not bad, actually, as far as Kava goes. But uh, oh, they're kicking off because Johnson said months ago there were no parties and now there are parties. And this woman, Sue Gray, who wrote a report months ago on the parties... That will be published tomorrow, if not this evening, but probably tomorrow. And you know what? Laura Koonsberg, the former political editor of the BBC, she's been speaking to some of Boris Johnson's staff. They have spoken to her under cover of anonymity to tell her the real story about the parties and about Boris Johnson's part in those parties. This is a panorama programme which will air this evening, shortly after the Richie Allen show ends, and I am bacardying the bejesus out of myself. I'll be sitting down, I won't be watching it, but Laura Koonsberg, she's spoken to some insiders who um, did the whole, we, we, we changed their voices or we used actors to protect the innocent. Lee Kane's leaving do. Can you just tell us what happened at that event? There was about 30 people, if not more, in a room. Everyone was stood shoulder to shoulder. Some people on each other's laps. Debauchery. People were sitting on each other's laps? Yes, one or two people. They were every week. The event invites for Friday press office drinks were just nailed into the diary. There were actually invites. There was a weekly regular invite to press office drinks on Friday nights. Yes, Wine Time Fridays. Invites that were in everyone's calendar for every Friday at 4pm. Four o'clock in the afternoon was wine time. Wine time. Yes. So to be really clear about this, you and your colleagues felt that you had essentially permission from Boris Johnson to have these events. That's what you're saying. Yeah. Because he was there. He may have just been popping through on the way to his flat because that's what would happen. You know, he wasn't there saying this shouldn't be happening. He wasn't saying, can everyone break up and go home? Can everyone socially distance? Can everyone put masks on? No, he wasn't telling anybody that. He was grabbing a glass for himself. His principal private secretary himself was organising. His staff were organising parties. So when you and your colleagues in government saw Boris Johnson say none of the rules have been broken, 
We were watching it all live and we just sort of looked at each other in disbelief like, why? Why? Why is he denying this? Why is he denying... Do you know that the Johnson's opponents want to see him run out of number 10 Downing Street because he broke his own rules. When in reality, Boris Johnson, his wife Carrie, Dominic Cummings, Matt Hancock, the utter dickheads... Uh, your man, the Chief Medical Officer Chris Whitty and scientific guy Patrick Valance, they should be hiding out in the Lake District. They should be in a hovel right now eating wild berries, living in terror that they are found by the people of this country. They should be filtering their own piss through some hastily thrown together filter made out of leaves. But not because... They went to parties, but because they enforced or brought in to force a lockdown on the people of this country. The irony of this, we have to get rid of him. He lied about having a party. What about you've got to get rid of him because he told a pack of lies about the seriousness of a mild respiratory illness, about its potency, about its... um, about the danger it represented to the public, that destroyed lives, ruined children, ruined them, generations of children, two generations, and um, impoverished people. That's why he should be on the run, not because he had a glass of wine in his hand, while you obeyed like the goon you are and didn't go and visit the relatives in the hospital or in the care home, or because you didn't have that 21st birthday party for young Roger, because you wouldn't have your neighbours around, because you obeyed the rules. You're the goon. You're just as much of a goon. We've left you away with it for two and a half years. I've been very kind to the perplexed, to the sheep, whatever you want to call them. But no more. The gloves are off now. I've had enough with these fools. Particularly is because, as we heard on the programme yesterday, masks are popping up again in places. Why? Because of monkeypox. That's right. That's absolutely right. I saw it with my, with mine own eyes this morning. I run past three primary schools on my daily run the masks are back because of the monkeypox. These people are idiots. They blame Johnson. Not for ruining their lives or for his part in ruining their lives because the policies were not Johnson's own policies. Johnson was the front man. The MC, basically. The compare of the entire charade. Channel 4 has a documentary series called Dispatches, which airs, I don't know, once or twice a month or three times a month. It was on last night. Last night's episode was about members of Parliament who are living in fear because they receive death threats all the time. And because of what happened to Sir David Amos MP, who was stabbed to death in his constituency office, because of what happened to Joe Cox MP, who was... Um, murdered just before the Brexit vote back in 2016. MPs are coming out of the woodwork now saying they are living in fear. They are being threatened uh, just for going to work and doing their job. Now, I want to make time for this later on, but if I don't, 
We'll talk about it tomorrow because it's very important. You got Joe, you got Joe Cox's sister, Kim Ledbetter, I believe, making a dispatches documentary for Channel 4, interviewing MPs saying, it's dreadful what we have to put up with. It's dreadful what we have to put up with from, from, from men and women abusing us, screaming at us on social media, on Twitter, as we walk down the street, all of that. Um, I'll say it for the 1,000th time, just in case you're new to the programme. Nobody should make death threats against anyone. Those who do should be arrested and charged. Nobody should assault anyone unless it's in the act of self-defence. You certainly should not be assaulting an MP or anyone else. We don't stand for that. But it's interesting that they said we are being called traitors. And by being called traitors, they said on this programme last night, that is putting our lives in jeopardy. I wouldn't use the term traitor to describe these people. I would use another term. And I'd like to find some time for that a little bit later on. It's uh, 13 minutes past the hour. But staying with this whole nonsense about having parties while the nation was obediently staying indoors and not visiting Granny, the, the woman who asked Boris Johnson the question at Prime Minister's Questions, whether parties had happened at number 10, you might remember her name is Catherine West, a Labour MP. She asked him the question to which he answered untruthfully. She was on with Julia Hartley Brewer on talk radio earlier today. Catherine West with Brewer. And it's kind of interesting up to a point. Everyone makes a focus on people who couldn't visit a loved one in hospital or, or attend a funeral. And those are devastating uh, life events for people that, uh, had, that were torn from them. But on, on a much, on a less, le- much less crucial stage, you know, people didn't you know, have birthday parties. I couldn't have a birthday party for my daughter's 14th birthday. Yeah, you know what? I do think those things do matter. Not as much as visiting a loved one in hospital. Of course not. But people missed out on, on just going about their ordinary daily lives. Pubs, restaurants, bars were closed. People couldn't socialise. Single people couldn't meet up and meet up for a date. You weren't allowed to have a single other person in your home. Uh, you couldn't introduce your new baby to the grandparents at the same time because that uh, would have been against the law. There were lots of basic infringements of fundamental, simple civil liberties of ordinary daily life. The Prime Minister and his team repeatedly broke the laws they brought in. They were totally unbothered by it. Does that tell you that they were terrible human beings and they were putting lots of lives at risk when others were, were doing the right thing? Or does that tell you that they brought in laws with the support of your party and others in Parliament, which they knew were not necessary? Because as far as I'm aware, no one ever got ill, let alone died, as a result of attending one of these Downing Street parties. They had a bash every week, not single death. So why on earth was I stopped from going to a party and everyone else? Good question. It sounds like these people knew that the virus was of no real risk to them or anyone like them. Your party didn't do its job. You're supposed to hold, as the opposition party, you're supposed to challenge any legislation the government brings in to scrutinise it, you know, turn it upside down, shake it a bit, see what falls out. But you didn't. You gave them a blank cheque. Um, What say you, Catherine West, Labour MP? Here she is. I think that's not the point. I think it is the point. Well, the point isn't about the rules because in the end we all voted them through both no no you you voted for them i i I didn't i I spoke i spoke out against this i didn't have a say in parliament 
You, like every other MP pretty much in Parliament, voted to have these rules in place. These rules were routinely broken in Number 10, and not a single person came to harm as a result. This pisses me off, you see. It sounds like Brewer is doing her job. It sounds good, this. You and your party, you, you, you voted in all of these rules too. What Brewer should ask her is not about the fact that the Prime Minister was breaking the rules while Labour was supporting him. That is only mildly interesting. What Brewer should be asking Catherine West, if Brewer was any good, but she isn't, they can't all be as good as me. He said, I'm joking when I say that, by the way. What she should be saying is, why, Catherine West, did you and your pals not pay any attention to the thousands of scientists and academics from Ivy League universities who said these rules were arbitrary, they were nonsensical, and in fact they were harmful. Why, Catherine West? Why did the Labour Party not wonder aloud, like in Parliament, why are we only listening to that absolute goon, Chris Whitty, that disgusting... How could you take health advice from Chris Whitty? If you've forgotten what the chicken-necked dickhead looks like, please Google him now. Look at him. Look at Chris Whitty. My God, I'd, take, I'd sooner take advice on health from Joe Brand than, 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 than uh, Chris Whitty. Look at the state of him, right? And Patrick Valance asks the Labour Party MPs, if you get the opportunity, not why they were supporting the government on lockdown rules while the government was breaking them. That's not interesting. Ask them why they were ignoring the advice coming from tens of thousands of scientists, the great Barrington Declaration people. Why did you just absolutely ignore that advice? It was an open goal for any opposition party. You could have thundered away at Boris Johnson every week. Week in, week out, you could have plagued him. You could have terrorised him by bringing up Martin Kulldorff, Sucharit Bhakti. Dolores Cahill, I could be here all day long. Prime Minister, I have in my hand a comment made by Martin Kuldor from Harvard University who says the lockdowns are not only arbitrary but irresponsible, unethical and will do far more harm to the, to, to, to the nation's health than any mild respiratory illness would do. What say you, Prime Minister, but Labour and the Lib Dems and the two Green Party MPs and the idiotic Scottish National Party MPs didn't say a word, not a dicky bird. That's what Julia Hartley Brewer, that's where she should take the conversation, but she doesn't. Doesn't that tell us that the government didn't believe these rules were necessary and that these rules were not necessary to save life? we lost 56 London bus drivers, we lost police officers. What's that got to do with these rules? And how do we know that those parties where potentially people were travelling into London on London buses and so on, that's the thing about COVID, we do not know exactly how people contracted it because it was so infectious. And that's but they were going to work anyway, the argument is they were at work anyway, what difference does it make? The difference it makes is that we are being led continue to be led by a chaotic, uncaring leader who needs to go and Tory MPs need to get a grip and decide that now is the time for a leadership election and to have a fresh start. Yeah, yeah. Now is the time to get rid of Johnson and put another goon in there, another puppet who will take 
up the baton from the Great Reset Agenda, from the, from the World Economic Forum, from the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, from the World Health Organization. Let's put another puppet in there who'll just run with the agenda. Take it to the next step. That's right. But, but don't, whatever you do, don't ask Labour, don't ask the Lib Dems, why did you? Because you knew there was a wider academic opinion. There was a wider belief. There was a belief in the wider scientific, if you want to call it community, we don't like to use that term. But there was a prevailing opinion in science, the majority opinion, if you go by the Great Barrington Declaration, the majority opinion was lockdowns tyranny, lockdowns unethical, lockdowns unsound as a, as, as a clinical response to a respiratory pathogen doing the rounds of society and more importantly lockdowns far 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 more harmful the cure is far worse than the disease why didn't you ask them for their response to the claims of these scientists and i've given the answer to that question too many times in the Richie Allen show over the years. It's not that they're all in it together. It's not as simplistic as that. You might say it is. Every single one of them is controlled. Every one of them. One way or another, consciously or subconsciously, they are controlled. It's exactly 22 minutes past the hour. Allen says mine had no answer uh, as to why they were not opposing the government. Why she ignored the great the great Barrington Declaration? Uh, fringe scientists is the phrase my MP used. Says Allen, fringe scientists. It's not extraordinary. Scientists from Harvard, from Oxford, from Trinity College in Dublin, from University College Dublin. You know, absolutely. You know, previously lauded academic institutions. It's untenable for any member of Parham to say fringe when speaking about these places, but that's what they did, I suppose. Cookie says, if Johnson goes, who will be next? It must be even worse, if possible, or it might be, says Cookie there. Yes, absolutely. New goons, please, says Faisal. Yep, they're lining them up. Makes no difference who's in that seat, who lives in Downing Street. It makes no difference. The agenda will proceed. Sometimes it slows down a little bit just for a little while. Other times it speeds up. That's how it's been going for many years, in my opinion. Again, thank you for your messages. Uh, many of them. Go to richieallen.co.uk. I'm taking your phone calls shortly after the top of the hour. It's your call. Skype. Chat with Richie or call 0161 818 2018. If you're calling from overseas, it's plus 44161 818 2018. Talk to Richie now. Do that, but just after six, you might want to send a message to chat with Richie. If you've never phoned me before, please, please do. Reckon uh, I, I, I welcome new callers. New voices, it's nice to hear new people. One of the great things about our phone-ins is that we don't have, you know, the same voices week in, week out. That's very important. So do get in touch. It's chat with Richie on Skype, 0161 818 
eight, is it? Jesus. I should remember it off the top of my head. If I, Rog, Rog, if you're listening, you might be, do put it on, put the meme on the Richie Allen Show Facebook page, please. It's uh, facebook.com forward slash BBG Richie, I think. Uh, Rog put that page up and he and he runs it. Craig says, rules, 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 no changes to the law, but no changes to the law. It could be argued that the biggest problem has been ignorant, docile obedience and cowardice amongst the greater population. I concur wholeheartedly. That is what it has been. You know, I stopped short over the last two years of being very emotive about it and declaring our neighbours you know, our fellow citizens to be the real enemy. Because I really don't believe that deep down. But by God, they make it easy for the agenda, don't they? By not asking a question. You know, monkeypox. I mean, to see masks around. And I haven't been seeing masks around. And now someone is talking about monkeypox, a pretty harmless thing that's been around for years and years and years. And some of them are starting to wear masks again. Yeah. It tests your patience, doesn't it? By that I mean your patience with other people. It really does. Hey, listen, the biggest saga of the year, the the, the year's biggest running story, serial drama, came to a conclusion today. Uh, the West Ham United defender, Kurt Zuma, has been found guilty of kicking and punching a cat what a numpty. Um, it's over. He's been found guilty. Uh, here's a Sky News reporter with a very brief summing up and what uh, what to expect next, what happens next. There was a degree of premeditation in this that Kurt Zuma had said, are you ready to his brother when it came to the filming and that it's um, about to start. Now, earlier, I spoke to the Chief Inspectorate Officer of the RSPCA, uh, Dermot Murphy, who told me how horrified they were when they first saw this video. The whole uh, video is shocking and something that was of such concern that we had to mount an investigation and ultimately bring that to court today. We are very grateful to the person that uh, shared that with us and also to all the support that we've had as well. Uh, to ultimately get here looking after the cats and the investigation that we've undertaken. Now, there you are. And the cat wasn't just hurt physically, but it was also mental anguish that it went through. Mental anguish. Pain, fear and anxiety, uh, we were told in court. But now there are some pictures of the two cats that were taken away from Kurt Zuma. They have been formally handed over to the RSPCA now uh, and they will then rehome them as a pair. So hopefully a better future for them. And for Kurt Zuma and Johan Zuma, they are due back here next Wednesday at 11am uh, when they will be sentenced. Brilliant. You want to properly punish Kurt Zuma and his Muppet brother, Johan? You know, you want to properly punish them. Make them watch Cats, the James Corden and Rebel Wilson version. Make them watch that. Sit them down in a theatre and make them watch that film. That film was so fucking bad, I nearly set fire to my eyes after watching it. It felt like eternity. Or just make them watch marathons of The Late Late Show with James Corden in America. That'll do it as well. Right, that's about it for the news roundup. Not that you got much of a news roundup. Um, Michael Rivera was standing by for us. Looking forward to speaking with him. He'll be on the other side of this from Supergrass. 
It is half five. That is Supergrass and All Right on the Richie Allen Show, live from Salford. BBG Towers drive time here in the UK. My guest this hour, a great favourite of mine, uh, been speaking, coming on my radio shows now since about 2009. I know you know all about him. He presents the fantastic daily What Really Happened show on the Republic Broadcasting Network. To find out all about that, get on whatreallyhappened.com, a terrific news website. It's always a pleasure to welcome back my friend and yours, the great Michael Rivero. Welcome back, Mike. Well, thank you for having me, Richie. How are you doing these ah, days? Sure, I'm not too shabby at all. Here's a quick question for you now. You never know what you're going to get asked on this program. Did you see the remake, or maybe it isn't the remake, maybe it's the first film version of the musical Cats starring James Corden, released in 2019. Did you see that, Michael? No, I, I actually did not. Good man. It's the worst movie ever made. Um, uh, uh, well, actually, I would say probably Final Fantasy, The Spirits Within <laughs> was the worst movie ever made. You know, Skate Town USA and... Uh, that first Star Trek feature film wasn't all that good. <laughs> Do you know, some, and, and of course, you have a background, of course, a very impressive background in films. Some films, Michael, are so bad, I would argue that sentencing someone to watch them is even worse than a couple of years in the slammer. Would you go along well, with that? Well, I think we ought to keep that in mind for Hillary Clinton <laughs> here, and we could start off with uh, the all-time worst movie ever made, Plan 9 from Outer Space. Plan 9 from Outer Space. A couple of, let's, let's, um, there's so much to get through, by the way. Um, really, really excellent stuff on the website. I'm on the website now, whatreallyhappened.com. Before we talk about comments made by your, and I know he's not your, your personal president, but the president of the US, Joe Biden, comments made about you know, going to war with China, which which raised a few eyebrows, to say the least, over here. Let's talk about monkeypox, Michael. Are you about to go underground? Are you about to start prepping because of the, the danger of, of monkeypox? Or what do you well, think? Well, you've heard that old saying, fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, <laughs> shame on me. And I, I, I think the general reaction to monkeypox here in the U.S. is we've been down this road before with covid and uh, it's just another scheme to, uh, you know, uh, pour taxpayer money into the pharmaceutical industries and uh, just make a, a lot of money. Uh, and what's really interesting is the National Health Service has already changed their web page on monkeypox because uh, it used to say monkeypox is actually a very mild disease. Uh, it tends to go away by itself. It doesn't really require treatment. It's very hard to pass it from one person to another, and that's all now been erased in there, uh, out there with the fear tactics and, oh, you're going to get it, you're going to need masks. and uh, they're Isolation. Saying, uh, that uh, monkeypox is uh, transmitted primarily through sex. So, I mean, just don't have sex with a monkey and the problem is solved. <laughs> yeah, they're saying very close contact. Mm -hmm. the, the, last week, one, one or two tabloids in this country um, said that, um, you know, gay men might, might contract it sooner. Again, the implication being that gay men have more sex than the rest of us. I don't know anything about that. But well observed about the National Health Service um, website to, to change the narrative about it. How much of, of this mon monkeypox coverage do you think is tied in with the, uh, the, the treaty, which, which in, in the US you don't call a treaty, but the pandemic planning, which would give the World Health Organization 
carte blanche in deciding how to tackle future pandemics. I think 180 or 190 countries are going to basically hand over to the WHO the uh, responsibility for deciding what happens during pandemics. Well, certainly the timing of this uh, monkeypox uh, monkey scare uh, does support the World Health Organization in building uh, some kind of public support for this pandemic treaty. And uh, But, uh, uh, you know, a lot of people are very much against it. We've had a couple of senators in this country uh, say it's time for the United States to pull out of the World Health Organization. Russia's getting ready to do just that as well. And... Uh, you know, it's just another uh, government organization uh, drawing power to itself at our expense. And uh, they, they bungled COVID so badly. Uh, why would anybody listen to them now? Yeah, but they will, Michael. I mentioned at the top of the program, I've, I, I go running every day. I happen to go past three primary schools. I live in a pretty built up area, Salford mm-hmm. in, in Manchester. I've started to see the masks again, Michael. Well, we're not really seeing them here. Uh, You know, people just don't want to go back to that. And, uh, you know, they understand the masks really never worked at all. I mean, if you took 700, that 700 of those COVID virus particles and stretched them out in a line, it would equal the width of one of your hairs. And so obviously these little uh, porous masks and especially the cloth masks, you know, it's like trying to stop mosquitoes with a chain link fence. Yeah, yeah. that's right. I'm, I'm going along with that. I'm not going to be the devil's advocate and argue with you. I think that that's been settled now. Uh, you know, even was it Cambridge here? Was it Cambridge or Oxford? In in the early part of this year, acknowledged that masks don't do very much and that the reason masks were pushed was more to do with scaring people, wasn't it? It was more to do with getting people to comply because if you go outdoors and you see people wearing masks, that can be pretty startling for someone. And it might um, convince somebody who previously thought that COVID isn't that big a deal. But if you see masks on people, you start to maybe think that we're, we're in the middle of, you, you know, the plague. It, that's, that's it was definitely a propaganda exercise. It was definitely a political. It made uh, the uh, stockholders in the mask companies very, very rich indeed. Uh, but... Um, you know, uh, around this part of the country, uh, you, you just don't see the masks anymore. The only time somebody is masked is when they have an active COVID case, which some of my family just came down with, despite being fully vaccinated and boosted, I might add. And Mike, not to get too personal, we don't need to know who the family member is or how close they are to you on the family tree. But does it occur to them that it's a bit strange to be fully jabbed and boosted and still contracting whatever this thing is. Did they not wonder what was the point of getting jabbed? Yeah, they they are starting to wonder. And uh, actually, in our immediate family uh, group here, Claire and I are the only two who haven't come down with COVID. uh, And we were resisting those mRNA shots. Uh, Everybody else got vaccinated. Uh, My doctor uh, came down with COVID the very week she got vaccinated. And uh, there was, you know, they were out there with this idea, but, you know, it takes two weeks for the vaccine to be effective. And, you know, you probably had it before and just all kinds of excuses yeah. to explain the fact that this has turned into one of the biggest medical botches in history. Michael, did you have at any time in the last two years, did you have a conversation either with your own physician or or another physician 
about the fact that the tests themselves were unreliable, to say the least. You know, the, I, gen- I generally uh, uh, didn't really go into detail about that uh, because in this country, uh, medical boards are starting to uh, yank the licenses of physicians who don't tell the official line. So I figure, you know, why, uh, you know, give uh, yeah. my doctor the information that could uh, uh, lead to the loss of credentials. And, uh, and you know, I figure if they're curious enough, they'll go find out for themselves. Let them find out for themselves. Michael Rivero is our guest, whatreallyhappened.com, the website, the radio show, which uh, I can't recommend highly enough, folks, on the Republic Broadcasting Network. Go to whatreallyhappened.com for details. Um, Talk about Ukraine in a minute, this kind of quagmire or kind of stagnation in terms of what's Mm -hmm. happening in Ukraine. I'll get your thoughts on that. How I don't like to say this because I, I, I genuinely have enormous affection for people who are older than I am because they've lived a bit longer than I have they've experienced more than I have and I generally find older people uh, to be incredibly useful sources of information and very helpful so I don't like to mock anyone regardless of what position they might hold your president looks on a day-by-day basis to be more and more impaired like he's not well how much of that might be playing a part in you know, extemporaneous comments about, you know, attacking China to defend Taiwan. How much should we, you know, how much of that should we take seriously, Michael? Well, uh, I don't think we should take it seriously at all. I'm uh, uh, sorry that uh, Beijing reacted that way, but, you know, he is unfortunately the uh, uh, the resident of the United States of America is the term I prefer to use. Uh, but, you know, you look at his handlers and uh, they sort of give away when uh, what Biden says is not really uh, in compliance with policy. One of the funniest videos uh, ever came out uh, last Easter when they had the uh, Easter egg hunt at the White House and uh, Biden walked on over to the reporters and just started talking to them. And this White House staffer in an Easter bunny suit yeah. literally had to come up and wave him off and lead him away. I mean, that's that, that that's how deteriorated he is. And, uh, you know, it's bad enough they stole the election in 2020. Uh, it's almost an insult uh, that they put this very mentally deteriorated individual into the Oval Office. And, uh, of course, I don't think he's really uh, calling the shots uh, in the government. His handlers are. Uh, his uh, financial sponsors are. And uh, he really uh, does embody the idea of a puppet ruler. You and I argued about the stolen election back back when, when everybody was talking about that. So there's no need for us to rehash those arguments again. I, I, my opinion is, is certainly no more valid than yours. And of course, you are in the States. I, I, I'm not sure that the election was stolen. But I want to ask you this again. I've always admired you for your honesty. Like we, mm-hmm. both, we, we both agreed. I mean, the agendas that you and I have been discussing for over a decade on programmes like this those agendas never really slowed down under Donald Trump. I, I'm no fan of Trump. I detest him. Why would the, you know, the puppet masters feel like enacting a change? Why would they have thrown it to Biden when, you know, the things that Trump promised when he ran for president in 2016, you know, not intervening overseas, you know, all of that stuff. Basically, all of it was one big massive lie. Why would? Why do you think they would... Why, why do you think they would have felt the need to bump him and put Biden in? 
Well, uh, I think the simplest explanation is Donald Trump is uh, seen as an outsider. He's not part of the club. And uh, his failure to keep a lot of his promises had to do with interference coming from his own White House staff. And I think one of the biggest mistakes that Donald Trump made coming into office uh, is he wanted to be magnanimous in victory. And he let all the Obama holdovers keep their jobs, thinking that now that he was the boss, they would be loyal to him. That's how it works in business. That is not how it works in politics. Now, getting back to the issue of fraud, uh, there is a new documentary out called 2,000 Mules by Dinesh D'Souza. And uh, they even have a website for it, 2000mules.com. And working together with an organization called True the Vote, uh, they basically went out and documented uh, with videotapes and geolocation massive, massive ballot box stuffing in favor of Joe Biden. And uh, on social media, I'm seeing a lot of people who, like you, weren't sure, could have been stolen, not really sure. And they see this documentary and they say, oh, no question anymore. Uh, no question. There was absolute uh, massive uh, uh, election fraud going on, and uh, you can uh, buy the DVD. Uh, it's actually showing in theaters here in the United States. You can also stream it for about 20 bucks. It is definitely worth watching, though, because uh, it really does make the case of a stolen election in 2020. And our corporate media and the Democrats are, are in panic mode. They're going ballistic and saying this is all Russian disinformation. It's a plot. It's this. It's that. But, um, you know, uh, it, it's it's a documentary and it does document this uh, organized campaign of ballot box stuffing that was taking place. And uh, since that documentary came on out uh, that was showing the videos from the ballot boxes, showing them being stuffed, all of a sudden the videos from other uh, regions of the country that was, you know, required by law to have video cameras on those ballot boxes. The videos have magically disappeared now. Oh, golly gee whiz, they were here just a minute ago. I have no idea where they went. So uh, <clears throat> this definitely has had an impact. And once again, that website is 2000mules.com. Uh, this is a documentary that everybody should be seeing, not just in the United States, because uh, the U.S. is hardly the only country where massive election fraud does take place. Remember what Stalin said? People who vote decide nothing. People who count the votes decide everything. Yeah, nothing raises a red flag quicker than videos disappearing. We, we've yes. seen that happen so many times over the years. But not to dwell on this, just for a moment. When, when, when I look at Trump's when I look at the end of Trump's time as president and I look at, at, at his legacy, um, there was very little, if any, difference to what happened during the Obama years. I mean, history records, and this, this is US government, you know, statistics, that under Trump or on Trump's watch, as many bombs were dropped overseas, as many so-called, um, you know, um, infilt not infiltrators, as many so-called terrorists that represented a threat to the United States were killed extrajudicially. Um, you know, he put a big, he gave Israel a big bear hug, didn't he? Nothing really changed. And, and I'm well prepared, totally prepared to take your point that he was a bit naive and, and maybe he wasn't well served by those mm -hmm. around him. But the fact remains, nothing changed really on his watch. Now, here's the question for you. Uh, obviously, since the turn of the year, there's been quite a lot of speculation that the man might 
try and run again in, um, is it a couple of years' time? What do you think, 2024, Michael? yes. What do you think? Uh, yeah, I think he's going to run again. I think he's holding off the announcement until after he sees the results of the midterm elections this coming November. Uh, but already there are indications of massive election fraud uh, taking place, uh, attempts to get undated, unsigned ballots counted. And uh, uh, again, it's almost like they, they're not even bothering to try and hide it anymore. Uh, they're just assuming that we, the American people, are not going to be able to do anything about it. And so far, that's true. I mean, we had even the United States Supreme Court literally refusing to hear these lawsuits uh, where evidence of election fraud was going to be presented. And the Supreme Court sat there like, you know, the three monkeys, uh, one's got to see no evil, hear no evil, and speak no evil. And uh, it's a terrible idea to have on the high court. Uh, but uh, I think the concern is uh, at the very highest levels of government that if the American people really understand the elections are being stolen, uh, then we're back to a situation of taxation without representation, which is a big part of what triggered the American Revolution. And uh, if we're not getting the government that we're voting for, Americans are going to they're, they're going to stop paying taxes. And in fact, they're going to say, I want a refund uh, because uh, this. Uh, 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 click that stole the government from us was spending the money in places that uh, I don't agree with, like Drag Queen Story Hour and yeah. uh, LGBTQ in, in the elementary schools and things like that. Yeah, we shouldn't. I, I don't believe. Look, I don't have any experience of, of education, but I don't believe we should be talking to children about relationships regardless whether you're talking about heterosexual... They're not old enough to of understand course, yet. Of course they're not. You know, and, and school should be about reading, writing, arithmetic, science, history. And lots That's of fun. That's really being gutted here in the United States. Uh, you know, and uh, a good general education leading to, uh, you know, a good job that they can then raise their own family with. Absolutely right. And some of my biggest influences uh, were gay men. One gay man in particular, he's no longer with us and he wouldn't tolerate it. He wouldn't tolerate, and it's got nothing to do with sexuality. Don't talk to children that young about sex no. or relationships. It's, it's crazy. Faisal says he hasn't seen any confirmation, you know, either a link or a reference of bombing statistics during Trump's presidency. I don't have them to hand, but I wasn't being unfair, Michael, was I, when I said that, you know, dropping bombs didn't stop on Trump's watch. It was just as bad as on well, Obama's. Well, he, he kind of got swindled on Syria. He was uh, fed basically the same kind of lies the rest of us were uh, about uh, evil Assad. And uh, Trump uh, did drop a lot of weaponry on Syria, but it should be noted that Donald Trump refused to start any new wars on his uh, presidency compared to Biden today, who is trying to get us into wars with Russia, China and Iran. Let's talk momentarily before we run out of time. Michael Rivero is our guest. What really happened.com. God, do I hate Henry Kissinger. And I'm not supposed to no. hate I'm not supposed to hate anyone. But what do we make of Kissinger's emergence? I don't want to say emergence. He's always been there. Mm -hmm. I, he never went away, Michael, and, and you know this better than anyone, but we've heard nothing from Kissinger for so long. Now the man emerges from whatever cave he uh, dwells in, and he says, I think incredibly, we, we should have to accept that Ukraine is going to have to cede some territory to Russia in order to bring uh, this to a peaceful conclusion. What do you make of this? What's going on? 
Well, it's one of the few things that Kissinger has said that I think is bang spot on. I mean, I didn't agree with his comment about military people being dumb, stupid pawns. And uh, I certainly did not agree with National Security Study 200, which was calling for massive depopulation. Uh, but the fact of the matter is the situation in Ukraine goes back to 2014 and the U.S. backed coup d'etat against Yanukovych, who was democratically elected, uh, and they kicked him out, and they put in the chocolate maker Poroshenko, and uh, started making noises about Ukraine joining NATO. Now, back when Germany reunified, uh, NATO made a promise uh, to uh, the Soviet Union and Russia there would be no more eastward expansion because that makes Russia very, very nervous when NATO is creeping closer to their borders armed with nuclear weapons. And Russia has repeatedly throughout the years warned that further NATO expansion eastward would provoke a crisis, which is exactly what's happened here. Now, I think what Vladimir Putin wants uh, is he wants the uh, two independent republics uh, in the Donbass uh, to be independent which would give Russia a buffer zone uh, between Russia and NATO uh, to sort of uh, reduce the uh, potential for a surprise attack coming from NATO territory. And I, I think that's what Putin wants, and I think Kissinger is acknowledging that uh, uh, unless uh, 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 Zelensky is willing to uh, cede that territory, the war is going to continue, and it's certainly not going very well for Zelensky. Uh, it's certainly not going well for the United States, which just sent another $40 billion over there uh, in weapons to get blown up by the Russians. What, what, what is your feeling about how this will come to a conclusion, Michael? Will it be sooner? Will it be later? Might it be a protracted, dirty, kind of embedded type of conflict that will go on for months and months, if not years, or... Do you think that some resolution might be reached unexpectedly and it might go away? Well, I would obviously prefer the latter, but I think, you know, with uh, Biden making comments about China and Taiwan and uh, the U.S. Air Force already teaming up with Israel to simulate attacks on Iran, I'm concerned that we are really on the doorstep of World War III and inevitably it will go nuclear. Uh, the first side that realizes they cannot win conventionally will start turning those keys in the silos, and it will be a bad day for anybody not wearing two million sunblock. And uh, people should be very concerned about it, because in a nuclear war, we are all on the front lines. Everyone it's not just r remotely some other part of the world, and we don't have to worry about it. Nuclear war will hit everywhere. Put your head between your legs and kiss your backside and all the rest of it. Just a final one. Have you, um, for, just for, for, for giggles, have you been observing the, the libel or the defamation case between Amber Heard and, and Johnny Depp? And if you have, what, what have you... What have you made uh, of it? I absolutely am ignoring the situation. <laughs> uh, and, uh, you, you know, they're, they're both spoiled brats. And uh, it's celebrity news. And, uh, you know, yeah. I, I spent a lot of years working in Hollywood. I've got celebrity news up to Up to here, the wazoo. And uh, so I'm, I, I'm pointedly not paying attention. I could care less. Good man. When will they learn anyway? The only people who do well out of these things are the lawyers who make millions and millions of dollars. Folks, mm -hmm. do check out the What Really Happened radio show via whatreallyhappened.com. It's on the Republic Broadcasting 
Network. You have been listening to our friend Michael Rivero. Give our regards to Claire, Michael, and thanks again for your time today. My pleasure. I look forward to doing it again. Can't wait, my friend. Bye for now. Michael Rivero live on Tuesday's Richie Allen Show. It's six minutes to the top of the hour. Don't forget, in a few minutes' time, I will be taking your telephone calls. You have to phone me. It's your call. Don't leave me. Chat with Richie. Or call 0161 818 2018. If you're calling from overseas, it's plus 44161 818 2018. Talk to Richie now. Alrighty, that's in a few minutes' time. Not yet, not yet. I've got some more news to do. This is Glenn Campbell on the Richie Allen Show. Ask not what the BBG can do for you, but what you can do for the BBG. Support the Richie Allen Show now at richieallen.co.uk. Now, the programme will be back on tunein.com, the TuneIn app, fairly soon. It might even be tomorrow. So again, thanks to the TuneIn people for organising that, particularly Rob in New York. Thank you very much. And, And I would ask you to do this in the interest of fairness you know, fair play. Um, when the programme was removed from TuneIn, uh, unknown to us because TuneIn had been told by the British government that it had to get rid of lots and lots and lots of radio stations that didn't have the appropriate music licences. Um, when that happened, somebody from TuneIn inadvertently, using clumsy language, gave the impression on Twitter that this programme had been booted for other reasons, when it hadn't. Now, quite a number of listeners to the programme, they went on to the app stores and they went on to Google and they left very unfavourable reviews in protest um, against TuneIn. So, again, in the interest of fairness and justice, let's say justice, it would be nice if those of you who left scathing reviews for tuning if you reversed them, either deleted them or at least, um, you know, changed it because the programme wasn't de- deleted by tuning. It wasn't deplatformed in any way because of the content of the programme. It wasn't. It's been complained, this programme has been complained to TuneIn and to everywhere else over the years because of some of the guests who have been on. But TuneIn.com did not censored the programme and deleted for any um, nefarious reasons. So if you did leave a horrible review for it anywhere, it would be a fair thing to do to remove that review. I think that would be the right thing to do anyway. They've not, you know, pressed me to, to, to put that to you. We were chatting about it and uh, the, the the guys who are looking after the programme for tuning, they said that, you know, there were some pretty nasty reviews on there. Okay. And we, we now know what happened. The programme now does have the up-to-date music licence needed for this programme, and particularly for Sunday Morning Melodies. So all is well, and it'll be back on TuneIn.com. They tell me fairly soon. It could be tomorrow. And that's a nice thing, because I like relationships. And when this programme was born in September 2014, it was very quickly uploaded to TuneIn, where it was accepted. And it's been broadcasting on TuneIn for a long time, and it has a lot of listeners on TuneIn. So um, I, I like to maintain relationships that, you know, I've had for a long time. 
you know, I'm still in touch with uh, the uh, the Ikes, for example, uh, who've always been very good to this programme, and I've been very good to them, it must be said. You know, but anybody who's been involved, I like to maintain relationships. So, uh, yeah, tunein.com, it'll be back up there fairly soon. A big shout out to the lads, as we say back home in God's country. Fair play to the lads, like, is what we say. On my conversation with Michael, by the way, Chris has just come on to say he's doing it right now. <laughs> he's apologising to TuneIn for, for being rude to them when the programme was um, was deleted. Keen says all of the global military and political Muppets should see a 1983 film called War Games with Matthew Broderick. Uh, it depicts a computer which ran endless nuclear war simulations. The outcome... No one wins, says Keen. Thank you, Keen. Paul says, if Cahill and Bakhti are as qualified as they seem, we are in for a series of invented poxes to hide the debts. Now, I think Paul means that Dolores Cahill and Sir Charit Bakhti, the German uh, scientist, they have been talking about monkeypox in terms of they believe that it is a... It has been, it is being used as an excuse to cover up vaccine injuries. Yes, I had to stop and think for a moment. How should I put that? Yeah, as far as I understand, Dolores Cahill and, and Bakhti and others are saying that, that monkeypox is a convenient cover for vaccine injury and maybe vaccine death. Okay. Craig came back on to say a fear of the end of the world due to climate change, a fear of the end of the world due to nuclear war, a fear of the end of humanity due to transhumanism. Anyone else see a trend? Yes and no. Transhumanism is real. Uh, climate change isn't. Of course, it's changing people. It's having a great impact on people. I don't know if you saw it, but there was a clip doing the rounds today of a woman who campaigns on behalf of Extinction Rebellion. If you saw a photograph of the woman, you would think, hmm, presentable woman, nice woman, 30s, mid-30s, you know, looks pretty normal. But she had a meltdown. She attended the AGM of an oil company with, with other activists and she completely melted down talking about the children, the children, the children and the end of the world. Um, a fear of the end of the world due to nuclear war. Yeah, well, look, it's possible, if not probable. I don't think it's probable that nuclear weapons will be deployed. I don't. But uh, I think the fear or the concern around the progress of the transhumanist agenda, I think, is a legitimate concern because we see it happening. At least I do. At least I do, but what does it matter what I think? Pandora says, really cannot see it going down the mad nuclear war direction. Why would they all get in cahoots for COVID scams, the jab genocide, and have all of the World Economic Forum plans and the World Health Organization lined up for total domination, only to blow each other up and everything they want to rewild as their own ilks, says Pandora. Some of you are going to have to think about how you phrase these. I, I read your comments out. Think about me. <laughs> Think from my point of view. He's going to have to read this out. Pandora, you're getting a D- minus for that comment in terms of syntax, grammar, punctuation. 
Uh, Chris and Emma say democracy is an illusion. It keeps the great unwashed sat on our hands instead of reaching for the pitchforks and the torches. We need to be governing ourselves in smaller communities. This is your Richie Allen show. It is live from Salford. The time is four minutes past six. Taking your calls. Priority given to people uh, who've never called before. And uh, if you did call last time, don't do it today. We like to keep it fresh. That's all. And it works like that. It's fantastic because we always have new callers. The programme has a very wide reach. And I like that to be reflected in the callers. Here are the details. It's your call. Skype. Chat with Richie. Or call 0161 818 2018. If you're calling from overseas, it's plus 44161 818 2018. Talk to Richie now. And my great pal Gina Ann Crowley, who's nursing a an injured young, not, not so young, a gorgeous little puppy called Mitzi, who was bitten by a German shepherd yesterday and has a couple of fractured ribs. Jean Anne is nursing her dog back to health. She says, and she was a fantastic, is a fantastic writer, was a fantastic writer for the broadsheet press in Ireland. Commas and semicolons are a lost feckin' art, says Jean Anne. Indeed they are. Your call's next. Get on the Skype, get on the phones. Speak to you in a moment. That is Todd Rundgren. I saw the light, the Richie Allen show. It's uh, seven minutes past six o'clock. I'm going to ask uh, callers to be brief. Let's move it along quickly. Lots of calls in the queue already. Caller, welcome to the programme. Who am I speaking with? It's over to you. Good evening, caller. Welcome. Who am I speaking with? Hello, Richie. It's Mark. How you doing, Mark? Where are you calling from? Not so far from yourself, uh, in sunny Salford, You're in, in Berry. In sunny Salford. Over the black pudding. Legend, mate. Black pudding. Not Mark, yeah. nice to, to chat with you. Um, we are going to move it along as quickly as we can, but I'm not going to rush you, my friend. What would you like to say? No, it's just I'd just like to ring in and say it's appreciated that this, there is a show out there and there's people out there who, you know, who are actually awake because it's so difficult getting through to people, you know, to... Yeah. You know the agendas that are going on and everything, and you just—it's just, it's very frustrating at times. But you know, you just got to keep plugging away and trying to look after yourself and your families. And you know, with all the craziness that's going on in the world, it's just—it's just mad. You know, you see this—you know—in Ukraine, and you know everything. Just like we have the COVID thing, people's—you know—there's there's now another distraction with Ukraine, and it's everything seems to fit in like with they're talking about you know, famine and talking about food shortages and then they're pushing the gene editing stuff. So, you know, like trying to make it easier to bring in uh, well, basically genetically modified crops uh, into the country, you know, gene editing uh, the food. Well observed, you know, we're, Mark. We've survived with thousands of years with natural food sources, yeah. you know, and it's just everything that they seem to push. You know, you look on, I know that a lot of food and, you know, mineral resources are, come from Ukraine and parts of Russia, but you look at it's it's not a massive place when you look at the whole world and you you think you know there's, there's plenty of food you know there's, there's no reason for it's all engineered you know it's just like the covid you know they want digital id and digital bank currencies because the financial system's collapsing which is the root of the evil the root of the problem uh you know the banks weren't lending to each other both when the ukraine so-called manufactured crisis happened and when the covid 
so-called crisis happened, the banks were given trillions, bailed out with trillions, you know, in the US and Britain. And basically, it's all because the financial system's collapsing that all these stupid engineered crises are happening because they want to bring in this reset and where, you know, as Klaus Schwab said, you, you'll be happy and own nothing, but, you know... Um, and you'll be we're happy. Not, we're going to have to resist that because that's, that's not what we want for the future. You know, social credit system based in the Chinese model. We want, you know, freedom and small businesses and people to be able to enjoy their lives and, you know, a fair society and will for everybody. But this, the problem is these evil cretins at the top so-called elite, you know, you know, need to be need to be sorted out first, you know. Well, well observed about the gene editing, Mark. I saw a lady on Sky News this morning. She's representing an organisation called Beyond GM. A nice woman called Pat. I invited her on the program, um, and she might come on the program soon. Well, well observed about that. Yes, they 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 talked about the the bread basket and, and and the war, and now we have a grain shortage, and bang! All of a sudden, now we have the solution. We we have gene edited crops, and you know, there's been a lot of resistance, hasn't there? Not just in the independent mm-hmm. media, not just amongst people like ourselves, but generally, there's been a lot of resistance in this country to the introduction of genetically modified foods and crops. Yeah. But now, all of a sudden, maybe there won't be so much opposition, Mark. I know. Well, that's true, and it's like the old meat thing as well with this another crazy this monkey pox that's yeah. come out of nowhere. You know, I mean, this I think I know it was a Telegraph. There's, I've seen a headline somewhere anyway saying where they're actually. Well, it might be the NHS actually, which is where they're actually saying that uh, meat. You know, warning you about eating meat. So I mean, because allegedly infected. You know, so I mean, it, it's funny how it always ties into the agenda they want to push. Every every crisis that and every you know scaremongering headline always seems to push you in a direction they want you to go. I mean, it's, you know, when you've got like people like Bill Gates with his, you know, buying up farmland and then he's got, he wants to grow meat in a lab, you know, rather than you having natural, you know, grass-fed beef or whatever, you know, it's just, it's just, it really is crazy. But, uh, and as you said yourself, trying to speak about these things with people, like, I mean, today we were talking, Mark, about the fact that people are are angry with the government because the government had parties while they had to stay at home. But they can't seem to make the leap that the parties are totally irrelevant. They should be angry with the government for closing down society and closing down their businesses. Yeah. Exactly. I I was just speaking to the wife the other night when, I mean, we don't really like watching the news, especially the wife. She, you know, wants to turn it off. I mean, I, I only watch little snippets just to keep abreast of what these scumbags are up to, really. But, it, you know, it's, it's not, I wouldn't advise anybody to spend too much time watching no. the news. But, uh, it, you know, it's just psychological warfare to me. But, um, but yeah, they, they, I said straight away, I said, look, the, the main nub of the issue here is not this party. It's the fact is that if they were actually worried about a virus, they're near these so-called scientists that are advising them and apparently know everything, even though we know they don't, uh, if they were worried about any virus, they would not be having parties. They would, you know, well said. Be doing all this, so but but obviously that's not going to be broached on the mainstream media. So. No, it isn't. So you're in. You're in. Thing about germ theory, anyway. I mean, I don't know whether you have anybody on any times, but there is a big debate about germ theory because you've got the uh, obviously you've got the Pasteur school, where apparently he said on his deathbed that it, it's the germ is nothing; it's the terrain. And you had a guy called Antoine Bouchamp who was talking about terrain theory, yeah. where it's the terrain. And I, and I, obviously, I'm not a scientist, but I do 
So you, you're open-minded to it. That way, yeah, because it's like your, your body detoxing and rather than rather than some sort of infectious germ. I mean, viruses apparently have never been out. There's never been an isolated case of a virus, I'm led to believe. So, you know, but that's something. It's probably good to get a guest on there, actually. Somebody yeah, I've talked about, about it before. I had, a, I had a half an hour interview with a guy called... Andrew Kaufman about eighteen oh, yes, about yes. eighteen months ago. I, I, I did it with him. I don't think he was accustomed to being challenged. Um, right, I challenged him right. a bit, and that was fine. I've talked about it. I've had um, um, a, a regular guest on the program, um, Jenny Lowe's, who's a Portuguese, very very experienced nurse. We've talked about right. it. I talked about it last week. The answer is I don't know, but I'm 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 open minded, Mark. I'm going to move yes. things on because I've got a lot of calls in the queue. You, you said you're in. Right. You said you're in Burnley. Berry. Oh, uh, Berry. Excuse me. You said Berry. That's right, uh, Berry. You're only up the road, yeah. Because uh, I like yeah. to think that people in you know places like Lancashire, Berry, and even in Yorkshire, you know, across the Pennines, I like to think. Yeah. I like to think or fantasize about people being a bit more streetwise, and maybe they're not falling for this stuff as much maybe as others. But the fact is, they bloody well are, aren't they? Well, they yeah, don't. That's there, there is there is quite a few people away, but it's. Still, the minority, you know, pass by. You know, a lot, a lot of people go along to get along. I understand that. Just have to keep battling on, like stuff that you don't know what it is, and it, it's, you know, the, it, we know that it's injured a lot of people, and, we, and it's the, vac- the so-called vaccine, and it's actually led to quite a lot of deaths. So you think, well, why are you going along with this? You know that the politicians and the media lie all the time. People know that, you know, but they still want to go along with it. You know, it's bizarre. We'll get to the answer of that maybe when we shuffle off the old mortal coil. Remember, we'll find well, out then, Mark. Uh, well, listen, great first call, Mark. Thanks for, for calling yeah. in from Berry. Lovely to chat. Thanks, mate. You're, ver- you're very welcome. Boy, that was um, Mark in, in Berry. Great call, that. This is the Richie Allen Show, live from Salford. It's your call. Shall I just do the jingle again very quickly? I, I know you know the details by now. Anyway. It's your call. Skype. Chat with Richie or call 0161 818 2018. If you're calling from overseas, it's plus 44 161 818 2018. Talk to Richie now. Now, Pepper is in the queue in a minute. Pepper, I'll call you in a minute. You've been trying to call me. I know you're in the queue. I'm, I'm keeping an eye on the order. Uh, there's a dozen or more people trying to get through right now. So just be patient. I'll get through as many calls as I can between now and about five to seven. Uh, let's try and stick to five or six minutes each to give everybody a chance. Caller, you're live. Welcome to the programme. Who am I speaking with? You're speaking to Greg. Greg, welcome. Where are you calling from? I'm calling from Ashton Underline in Manchester. Ah, it's all man. It's all in the northwest tonight, Greg. I feel it a lot is. of love in the northwest. This is brilliant. Welcome, Greg. Lovely to speak with you, pal. What would you like to say? Uh, I'd just like to bring to your attention. I have like complex and. Ah, Greg, you're dropping out. The whole scamdemic, the mass situation. I've got very violently attacked in Manchester and literally haven't left the house on my own. For hang, on, over hang on, years. hang on, Greg, hang on just a second because we missed the first 10 seconds of that because you dropped out. Uh, no, 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 don't apologise. You didn't drop out the call. It could be my system. Now, did you say you were attacked violently and was that because of your common sense decision not to wear a mask? Uh, no, this was prior to COVID. Go so on. These people attacked me with masks on, um, and I've literally never left my house ever since. Why, then, Greg? What, what happened? Years. What happened? Uh, I basically uh, went down to uh, the Manchester Gay Village years and years ago, got invited to an after party, 
got mugged, raped, and basically battered. No. Uh, without, without, uh, at knife point. Um, so massive really triggered me. Um, and as I say, I have complex disabilities and I rely on carers to help me at the moment. And unfortunately, my health got a lot worse. So these carers that are coming in, obviously uh, wearing these face nappies have been triggering my PTSD absolutely terribly. So I've been asking them to make like reasonable, necessary adjustments, yeah. which under Section 20 of the Disability and Equality Rights Act is fair enough. Um, and they should be making those adjustments, which they refuse to make those adjustments. Um, Tameside Council, this is, uh, which is under Greater Manchester, um, and basically refused me any personal care whatsoever unless they were wearing these face nappies. Um, and I requested again under the Equality Act that if they insisted to wear these things over their face, can they please make sure that they wear them, that they are clear ones so I can actually see their faces because it's embarrassing enough at 38 years old having to rely on someone to help you get a wash, etc., as you can imagine, um, without having to be traumatised by these masks. But that's a fair compromise, tried- Greg. Hang on, that's a fair compromise. So, could you possibly wear a clear mask? And they wouldn't. Yeah. They wouldn't even meet you halfway with the clear mask. They refused point blank to even meet me halfway with the clear mask even though it is in breach of the disability. But where is that? I I, I can't understand the lack of empathy. First of all, and I mean this, I don't know you at all. I don't know you from the next person. But um, what what you've gone through is unimaginable. So you have my absolute sincere sympathy that you ever went through something like that. It must have been horrendous for you. But to to, to, to say to people, listen, I've been through this, and um, it's fairly disturbing for me to be around people gathering around me wearing masks. Um, could you kind of help me out because it's not good? How could you not be yeah. moved by you saying that? I mean, if you said that to me, it's like, Jesus, yeah, of course I'll take them out. I'm really sorry that happened to you. But Yeah, exactly. Yeah, they, they just don't really, really care. They're, I mean, a lot of the staff that were coming in were very abusive towards me as well in these masks. Um, I caught some of it on camera at one point because I was like, I'm not taking this anymore. I've had two weeks of you abusing me, two weeks of you screaming at me. Uh, You refuse to make any uh, reasonable necessary adjustments, which under law, you are obliged to do. Um, And absolutely nothing. They will not change. So basically, I'm being left to rot in a flat with the help that I need, I can't really you get. You can't get it. Now, what's the latest from Thameside Council? What What was the last you heard from them? The last I heard from Thameside Council was the head of adult social services. Who don't I mention any names now. Don't mention any names, I won't, I won't, please. I, won't, I know, obviously I won't mention any please, names. Yeah. But let, let's just say somebody very high up then, um, who said they had briefed the entire uh, re-enablement, they called. These are the people that help you with the, the washing and getting ready and stuff like that and stuff that you can't do yourself, um, that they had briefed them all and uh, this would go across all of them to make sure that nobody else with disabilities such as mine would suffer the same problems. Yeah. Well, it, well, it turns out that actually uh, I know a few people in that care sector that none of that ever happened. So none of them were ever briefed on any of this whatsoever. 
Um, and still to this day, nothing. So they're telling you we're dealing with it. We've we've briefed um, the carers. They they will be educated as to the needs of someone like yourself. But in fact, they've not even done that, and, and things just carried on as as previously. Yeah. yeah, and I've even got it in writing from them, signed, dated, everything, and literally, it's all fictitious. Don't laugh so now. Just, don't laugh. But has your MP, who, who your MP is not Angela Rayner, is it? It isn't. No. How did you guess? Yeah, much use as a chocolate teapot. as useful as a fart in a spacesuit yeah yeah absolutely yeah basically yeah Yeah. Um, I've raised it with her multiple times um, and her associates and also the vocal counsellors obviously I won't name other names but um, none of them are interested can I ask you this um, uh, don't, don't answer what you don't want to answer yeah. What 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 happened to you is unimaginable. We we don't have to talk about that. But it has it has left you basically confined to your home, Greg. You can't yeah. you can't leave now. Um, however, however, I ask this is going to sound impersonal. I don't mean it to sound. But um, no, what what have did did you try counselling? Did you try psychotherapy? Did any of that work? Was it was it accessible? Yeah. First of all. Yeah, the only counselling I was offered was uh, cognitive behavioural therapy, uh, which just did not work for me. I tried that eight times, and I've been on the waiting list now for a treatment called EMDR, which is specifically which they use for like people with like veterans, right. for people with PTSD. I've been waiting for eight and a half years. No way for that, and I have still to this day not got that service. So, but yeah, I keep being told I'm at the top of the list. I'm at the top of the list. I was at the top of the list five years ago. What's going on? <laughs> What's going on? Have you considered something like energy healing? Yeah, yeah. I've done energy healing. I do energy healing myself. Um, I also see some of Mark's practitioners too. Um, Mark Bayerski's practitioners, I see some of them too. Has it helped? Um, so, but unfortunately now, because obviously with care fees, which I'm now paying in upwards of £500 a month for 10 hours. And how do I you get. make money, Greg? How do you make money? I literally, that, that money is literally all my personal independence payment money. So all that money goes into that. I can't even, literally don't have curtains, don't have furniture, a lot of stuff that I need, I can't afford to have. get it. Because it's just sucked up in care feed completely. I'm so sorry um, to hear this, mate. You have no idea. And what about the, what about the animals who did it? Were they ever? Did, did were ne- any of them ever never identified? Caught, never caught. Nobody ever caught them. Obviously, I'd had more than a few at that point in time. We're talking when I was a lot younger. So obviously, I was like two sheets to the wind, as you are at like you know in your twenties. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and was so, it was it a home, um, was it a homophobic attack? Did did did, did these guys? So they look yeah, at you. Do you think yeah. there's here, here's a gay guy? We can, you know, we can we yeah. can give him a kicking. But it but it but yeah, it progressed to far worse than a yeah. kicking. Basically, Jesus Christ, Christ. Yeah, yeah. And you know yeah. something? I believe, and it's not because I'm you know gullible and I like to believe urban legends. I'm not, but I believe that gay men have been murdered for years down there and have been thrown into that canal. Oh, 100%. No yeah, doubt in my it mind. It happens all the time. I mean, yeah. like I say, I haven't left the flat now 
on my own. Well, oh, it'll be 13, 13 years this year. What about family? What about family locally? No, no family, no social inclusion, no, no friends, really. The friends that I did have, once I unfortunately became disabled and this, and this happened as well, uh, they all just vanished. So they weren't really real friends, really, were they? Because, um, you know, I've always stuck by my friends where, where yeah, they yeah. needed me. But no, they all vanished into the distance. And uh, unfortunately, it's a shame because in the LGBT community, I don't think a lot of people know this, but in the LGBT community, if you are disabled or you have any kind of uh, mental health issue or if you have any kind of physical health issues, you're basically shunned. They are not interested in you whatsoever. Why do you think that is? I have no idea. I can't wrap my head around it at all, which is why I'm trying to... I'm going to be trying to set up a charity for uh, disabled LGBT people because um, from what I'm hearing from a lot of other people who are disabled and LGBT, they're getting the same kind of treatment from fully able-bodied people who are LGBT. But, but I just don't get the reason as to why. Has there not been enough discrimination going on between everything else? Why do we have to discriminate against our own? It's kind of like saying, well, did you choose to be gay? No. Well, I didn't choose to be disabled either, and I didn't choose to have mental health issues, but you're discriminating against, discriminating you against uh, me anyway. You certainly didn't choose to have... What happened no. to you 13 years ago? Let, let me let me ask you um, this, if uh, if you don't mind. I've read mm-hmm. over the years that victims of you know the most serious crimes, which is what happened to you, that yeah. there is some healing in spending time with others who have gone through it. You know, like again, you're talking group and stuff like that. I, there must be groups in the northwest where victims of rape and sexual violence can meet and have yeah. a cup of tea and, you know, a slice of cake and a chat. Like, is that available yeah. up here, do you think? Not, unfortunately, not in my area. Believe it or not, even though I am classed as Greater Manchester, uh, because I'm not in an M postcode, I cannot access any of the LBGT services that offer those kind of services. And in Tameside, there is literally nothing for LGBT people. There used to be prior to the uh, scandemic, um, which is why I'm pushing as hard as I possibly can to try and actually get something set up around in this area for people like myself so we can all meet up and be respectful of each other. And that'd be the only rule, because I don't really want to be, oh, this is specifically for disabled LGBT. No, it's for everyone. I want everyone to be able to be there, but just have respect for each other and not discriminate against each other. Because, I mean, it's like you say, I didn't choose my disabilities. I didn't choose uh, the PTSD. I didn't choose what happened. So why are we getting this discrimination in our own community? And I think that gets kind of lost in translation a lot of people don't actually believe it with all these like shows that you'll see on tv that represent gay people say oh we all stick together we all look after each other no no that's not true at all not in my experience it's very toxic it's very bitchy it's um and very very discriminatory against their own people which i just don't get like you have to be prim proper and perfect and if you're not 
then we don't want anything to do with you because this you're is, just um, damaged goods. Th- this is interesting. My my good pal Andy, a friend of mine, Andy, who who's gay, he lives in Florida. Now he's a uh, recently qualified as a as a lawyer. Um, Andy yeah. says, as a gay man, he doesn't like this idea of community. You know that that you know gay, lesbian, bisexual, and trans people, you know, think the same that they have shared values. He doesn't That's like right. he doesn't like that idea. He rejects it utterly. You know, he says yeah. he's just a gay yeah. man. He's an individual, and, exactly. and, and he, 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 I've just made a note of your number. Um, I'm going to make some inquiries on on your behalf. Now, I have no sway with anybody, but I'm going to no, ask. But, but I do know some people in the Northwest who have experience of working with people who suffered horrendous um, uh, assaults, like the one you you uh, um, suffered, uh, Greg. Yeah. So I'm going to make a few phone calls to 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 ask about you know, possible services that might be accessible or, or, or something that might be, you know, possible to bring to you. So I, I will do that. I've made an order your number. It ends in double zero double nine. So I've got yeah, it. I've yeah. got it here. And, and I'll do that. Look, good luck with Thameside. Just keep on them, really, saying, you know, that when the carers come around, I mean, you're paying for the service. You know, you're, exactly. you should be in yeah, charge yeah. of that. The, the least they can do is make things as comfortable for you bearing in mind your circumstances and the, and the trauma you went through. And um, just good luck with yeah. that. And thanks for telling us, Greg, really. And uh, my heart goes out to you, pal. I, don't, I can't imagine what it must be like for you to be yeah, stuck there. Yeah, it's difficult. You know? It's difficult, especially when your own community just completely disowns you because you've got a disability. It's like, what? I just, that's one thing I can't wrap my head around. But unfortunately, that, that's the raw truth of the community. It is not a community that's all brought together at all. It's not. It's not what it's advertised on TV. Should we say? If you see any of these like gay shows, it's nothing like that at all. It's the complete opposite. Very toxic, um, very discriminatory, and yeah. If you're not prim, proper, perfect, and you're doing all the stuff that everyone else is doing, and you don't fit in, or you've got a physical disability as well, forget it. They're not interested. Greg, thanks they, for sharing um, that with with us tonight. Sincerely. In Thameside. No um, thanks for listening to the show and phoning in, mate. And good luck. And I will make inquiries on your behalf and I will get back to you, Greg. All right, Richie. Thanks. It's Chris, by the way. But thanks, Richie. Oh, is it Chris, not Greg? Why have I got Greg? I must have heard you wrong at the start. <laughs> Sorry, Chris. Right, it says, no it's, it's short term memory with me. There's something wrong with me at the moment. Uh, Chris, oh, don't worry. thanks. And thanks for sharing no that problem. story with us. And mind yourself, that's Chris there in Thameside. Jesus Christ. Being assaulted and gang raped. Imagine that. Uh, confined to your home, you can't leave. And they won't meet you halfway and say, well, yeah, we, we, we just won't wear the masks. Now, um, you know, now, at this juncture, at this point in time, you could make some excuse for them back in 2020 that they believed all the bollocks about COVID and the seriousness of COVID. You could give them some, you know, you might give them a pass, but how can they now refuse? Knowing what the guy went through, what do you you know, the the, the, the the terror of what he must have went through, which none of us can imagine unless you've been through it. The time is 27 minutes to the top of the air. Caller, you're live. Welcome to the programme. Who am I speaking with? David. How are you doing, David? Where are you calling from? I'm calling from uh, Essex. Nice to speak with you, pal. Welcome to the programme. What would you like to say? Because um, there's lots of things, hundreds of things I can say, I'm going to go to the very beginning of uh, my journey because that might be of some use to people as well. 
Now, just to let you know, I am going to be moving things along quickly. I've only got 20 minutes to go and I've got loads of callers in the system, David. So I'm going to keep it as... I, I kept uh, Chris on there because of the nature of what he was telling us uh, a bit longer, but I am going to have to move it on, pal. So, so we'll have five or six minutes. Go ahead. Yeah, so I'm just going to talk about the beginning, not the rest of it. Um, so I was a nurse in uh, Los Angeles in 92 and uh, a doctor there told me uh, they'd cured HIV using electromicrocurrents. And I thought, oh, well, great, you know, can't wait, because obviously it was very distressing for everybody. Then I uh, forgot about it, and then in 2004, when Video Google came along, <clears throat> and I was used to just look for videos for anything interesting, documentaries and stuff, I saw Dr. Bob Beck talking about how he was doing that. Now, Dr. Bob Beck was actually a physicist and wasn't the actual original medical team that uh, put in the patent. But... Um, because I remember him talking about it, the doctor <clears throat> in Los Angeles, I sat through the three-hour seminar and I kind of, at the end of it, thought, what world am I living in? But that was it, really. After that, I just watched thousands of videos about energy, money masters, all that sort of thing. That's it, really. And this, David, this is interesting. So, so this guy back in the early 90s was talking about curing AIDS or HIV with, you said, electro-microcurrents. Is that what you said? Um, you, what what is that exactly? Los Angeles on an HIV unit. Right, I'm, I'm, and how would you administer electro microcurrents to someone? Well, the original patent, which I haven't got the number with, but you can look it up. I can give it to you later because I've given it to doctors who don't believe me. Um, the doctors actually uh, cut open the skin and and put a battery or electro around a vessel. Doctor Bob Beck was dying of some other disease and found out about this treatment and he designed a separate machine that just wrist, that just rests on your wrist because he knew you didn't need to cut open. The field will go around your wrist. You're kidding me. He, uh, he, he designed that, yeah. And what would the currents do? Would they have some impact on the energetic levels of the blood? Is that, is well, that what... versus the polarity of the virus. Right. That so just bounces off your cells. But I, I don't want to go into it too much because I just want to leave a seed... Yeah. People look up. And um, what do you make of the stories, you know, we're, we're reading and hearing about today about more cases of monkeypox being found? In, well, uh, go the, ahead. I presume it's a resurgence of chickenpox because people's immune systems are knackered. I think that was all planned. See, but see, that's something I haven't even, that's something I haven't even thought too hard about, really. Yeah. What has being confined at home. Now, we, we weren't confined at home. I didn't stay at home. But I was denied avenues of pleasure that were very important to me, like going to concerts and, you know, meeting people and congregating with people. Yeah, what, what has that meant for our own immune systems? It's obviously suppressed our immune systems, Dave. Well, I'm just speaking specifically about the, the vaccinated yeah. and the destruction of the immune system, which is, you know, part of the plan. So, so going along the lines of what Dolores Cahill is allegedly saying and others, that the monkeypox might be some it reaction is, to the jabs. It's just zoster. It's a re-emergence of zoster, I should imagine. I mean, I don't know. Wow. You, um, you were a nurse, David. Are you retired or, or do you practice still? I'm still, well, it's a long story. I'd rather not go into it. Fair enough. Challenging time for you in the last couple of years? Yeah, I lost jobs because of, you know, not wearing masks and stuff. Did you? And you stuck to your guns anyway. So far. But, but um, of course, that comes with financial consequences, doesn't it? Absolutely. 
Wow. David, thanks for your call, mate. Yeah, good to speak to you. Really good. Cheers, mate. Send me an email, will you, with that information? Yeah, I mean, I'll, it was just the beginning. Do you know what I mean? I'll, as I said, I hunt all the other things, the energy, all loads of stuff. No, anyway. I'd, like, I'd like to set up a chat with you on the show, not, not in the phone, and if you were amenable to that. I know there are probably things you can't say and maybe you might want to preserve your anonymity, but because of your experience, you'd be um, somebody I'd like to talk with in more depth, but that's entirely up to you. But look, we can... We can talk about that. I'll try and make a note of your number really quickly. Put a package together of the main things I've put together over the years, and it would make a good interest in 20 minutes for sure. Oh, at least, I'd say. At least, David. Well, thanks so much for your call, mate. Lovely to meet you. OK, speak to you again. Thanks, Cheers, David. Bye for now. That's David in Essex, who uh, is a nurse, uh, practised in the United States. He was there in the early 1990s, and he witnessed the introduction of a technology that he called uh, electromicrocurrents, which was used by a guy called Bob Beck, he said, to basically cure or eliminate HIV, talking about energy and how energy can be used uh, on the body. Now, I did say ages ago that Pepper was next in line to come on the programme, and then I didn't manage to get him on. Let's see, can we get him on and have a quick chat with Pepper? It's hard when you do this by yourself, you know, when you don't have a producer, when you don't have an editor, it's hard, like, you know. It's kind of hard. Pepper, welcome back. It's hey, been a long time. How are you? Hello, you right? I'm very good. I'm going to I'm going to mute you momentarily while you turn me off in the background because I, I heard um, myself there. You're probably listening to me on the same device as you're calling me on. Let's see, is it any better now? Welcome back, Pepper. How are you? I'm good. How are you? You're right. I'm brilliant, pal. You look well. You look very well there. You look well, buddy. Nice to speak with you again. I think uh, it's been about a year since we spoke, or maybe even longer than that. Uh, so. Yeah, probably. Yeah, maybe, yeah, maybe about a year. So hold on. Let me see if I can just quickly turn you up because you're a little bit low on my machine. No worries. Anyway, we've got about five, six minutes because I'm backed up with calls here. What would you like to say? Um, so basically, first off, I'd like to um, well, a thank you because um, I may have, like may have saved a kid's life because of because of the stuff that you talk about in, in general stuff. So there was a, a kid that I used to train uh, basketball in, um, in lockdown. Basically, I was playing basketball in the park just to keep myself sane, get outdoors, and so I do. And I was teaching a 15-year-old kid at the time how to play, never knew how to play before. So got talking, this kid uh, turned out to be a hemophiliac, uh, which I need to know for training purposes, because I need to make sure he like, had enough breaks and bits and pieces like that. So as I'm training this kid, um, I'm, he's, we're getting to know each other, talking about stuff, and obviously the world's going crazy. So he's asking, he's asking questions, and I'm thinking, well, realistically, I'm gonna, I might have to tell, tell him some things so he knows not to, well, not that he knows not to take it, but that he knows what could happen. So, because um, also when I was finding out about blood clots and stuff, and hemophilia, uh, hemophilia being a blood disease, so I spoke to him about some stuff at first. He thought I was insane. I, I was completely ready for that. I was like, okay, whatever, it's fine. I've given you the information. But because I was training him and he was listening to me on the basketball-related stuff, which was working, he took a chance and started, like, looking into some of the stuff I was saying. And now he's, like, he's, like, the next generation of people who who, who know what's going on. Like, he's telling people his age and he, he completely knows what's happening. So, um, so well I, I kind done of you. that because he heard me on this show as well. He heard me on this show when I think it was, it was last on. And uh, he heard some of the stuff that we spoke about, and um, that that kind of kind of made it to a point where he knew I wasn't just making like he knew I wasn't having him on or anything like that. That makes sense. So you were no, it makes perfect sense. You were compelled to speak to him. How could you not speak to him? He's got haemophilia. You're you're coaching him in basketball. You know that if he has the jab, 
there's a risk. There is a risk, a genuine risk that something might go wrong, but you have to kind of tiptoe around how you go about it. I think you did brilliantly, really, to be honest. Fantastic, uh, yeah. Well done. That. Um, and then, so I've got, I've got, and also got a story from last year. So basically, last year, and um, you know, I do IT, like IT security. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, so I did like a physical security add-on. Um, every now and then, I do a couple like add-on courses just to make sure my my CV's fresh and stuff. So I did like a physical security, essentially just a door supervisor course, um, for the doors, like clubs, bars, and all that kind of stuff. Um, and I was at uh, Newcastle Airport, where I was at. So did that and. Passed it, luckily. But during the course, um, there, were, there were still mask At the airport, people were still, like, masking. People were still freaking out at airports and stuff. So at the time, this was, like, I think, October, November last year. Um, and they, uh, on my break, I wanted to get, I was going to the Greggs. So it was in, the course was in, like, just a, the hotel outside the airport. Went into the airport, get a Greggs. Didn't have a mask, wasn't wearing a mask. I was past mask at that point. I was like, I'm not doing this. Went in, uh, got stopped. Got stopped by where security personnel got my mask. And I'm like, sorry, mate, um, I've got, I, I passed out once in a mask. I'm not doing it again. I'm only across the street. I'm only getting a Greg's. I'll be in and out. I've, I've, I've paid for a course. I'm going to be there. These guys not letting me, not letting me go, not letting me go through. So I'm thinking, okay, well, realistically, I'm on tight ways. I've got like a 15 minute break. So I, I'm okay. So I just walk. I just keep on walking. Essentially, keep on walking straight to the um, to the Greg's um, kiosk. And the, the just the maddest thing happened. He went and told the Greg's people not to serve me. So You're kidding me. Like, so say again. You're kidding me. So no, the guy I, told I'm Greg's not, not to serve you. Don't give that man a sausage roll. Wow. I'm telling you, so this is when I got a first glimpse of how it might be in the future when they, when you might get denied. Like, I know I don't want to scare people, but I'm no. not here to beat on Bush anymore either. Like, this is getting serious now. World War Three might be happening in November. So this is like, this is, this is, this November last year was when I got a glimpse of, essentially, you know what they talk about, oh, uh, food shortages, or, like the idea yeah. of someone stopping you from eating sounds insane, but that actually happened to me and it was like, because I wasn't wearing a mask, and I was like, okay. And then I was in my head, I was like, I was fuming. I was ready, I was, I was absolutely fuming. But I realized I was on a security course at the airport, and I can't get arrested. Like, I can't do anything crazy and no. get arrested at the airport while on a security course. That doesn't make any sense. So I, I had to keep my calm and, and, and navigate the situation to the point where I got tried to get the details of the guy that was essentially stopped me from eating on this course where they weren't providing food. They weren't providing food on the course. I mean, so I, I wouldn't have eaten that day. Do you understand know what I'm saying? It's, yes, it's like, yes. It's, so it, it was, it, I got, tried to get details and then I even, I even got, went through the mindset of I was, I was going to sue the airport and I went to the Citizens Bureau, but because at that time everyone was like, oh, we don't have any staff, like you have to email and do it remotely and no one's anywhere, like no one, nothing's working. Um, then I, 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 there, was a, there was a certain time period that I had to do it by, it was like, I think it was like 21 days where, where I could access this footage and all that kind of stuff. And because I couldn't get like a lawyer to represent me in time, um, I, I, I kind of just had to leave all that. But I do remember the experience being like, just don't forget that they have the ability to essentially stop you from eating something. I mean, and I'm a black guy as well, so I don't know whether that was anything part of the fact. I don't know whether, because... It might have been, Pepper. Look, I'm I'm sometimes a bit too quick to dismiss the racial, you know, aspect of some of this. I dismiss it only because I'm a white guy who genuinely doesn't have any prejudices. So I get annoyed when I'm told about unconscious bias. I get pissed off because I don't believe I've got any biases against anybody. But, um, yeah, it, it, it can, of course, play a part. Yes, of course it can. You, you never know, you know. Um, maybe if I'd have said to the guy, listen, I passed out when I wore a mask, maybe my outcome might have been different because I'm a white guy. Who knows? It's, um, it's, it's a possibility. But you got a glimpse into a kind of future social crediting um, model of living, didn't you? Where if you don't conform, you could be denied a vital or a basic, in your case, it was a vital service, um, lunch, 
mean, that's yes. not, yeah, it's right there. I mean, in China, it's right there. It's happening in China now. You will be excluded from restaurants, from cafes. You will be excluded from theatres if you're not a good citizen, if you don't have a good social credit score. So, yeah, absolutely. You got a little window, I think, onto what's possible and what might be coming down the line. Yeah, and it's, uh, I'll be honest with you, it did scare the crap out of me. And um, But the past couple of months, I've kind of just been, I've been trying to prepare, uh, prepare for like, uh, essentially there's some sort of biblical math that's happening and there's something happening in the stars when it's, 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 some things might be happening this, my, my, it's my birthday in a week. And the reason why, the reason why I even know this stuff is because my birthday in a week, I'm turning 33. Now 33 in the, in the Masonic crazy, it's a crazy number. It means crazy things to them. So I was like, oh, well, I'm turning 33. I should probably see if anything mental is happening in the vicinity of, of when I'm turning it. Apparently, if there's some sort of 400, end of 400 year cycle, biblically, biblically, and then something's happening in November. And, and then like China, apparently there's some sort of, um, you know, um, this Ukraine thing. With all the with all the weapons that are going to Ukraine from America and the US, apparently that's leaving us more vulnerable to to an attack coming from China. So there might be a thing where Russia and China both try and take on like the UK and US. That is a, a possible thing. I'm still looking into it because that's later down the line. But I kind of wanted to I wanted to to talk to you really because I really wanted to see if it was possible or whether you thought it was a good idea. Whether in my head you're kind of like at the helm of a lot of like you're like one of the I only have to like have two news sources and you're like one of them so you're the UK version so I I, I feel like it would be uh, beneficial to feel like make some sort of like a round table for lack of a better word like a like a syndicate round table of these people you talk to and have like maybe a page where like all the detail like because when you when let's say when I wanted to find a lawyer when I was instead of going to Citizen Bureau I was like I, ideally if I had a Richie Allen lawyer then I could tell my story. I'd know they were on the same page of what I'm talking about. Right, yeah, yeah. So I feel like there should be like a page on your website where it's like a directory, for lack of a better term, of these people you speak to and like their disciplines and like the web, I mean, put their website, bio, whatever. I'm not saying it has to be like, I mean, a Wikipedia or anything. I mean, yeah, it's not a bad idea. Like, I, I'll, I'll get my non-existent producer and web staff onto it straight away. No, no, this know, is the problem. So no, no, it's a good idea. Man, this I, this, I this has come up. This has come man, up. Sorry, I understand that. No, no, I'm no, no I'm not taking the piss out of you. This has come up before. It's been suggested to me before that um, the, there are links on the site relevant or kind of germane to the guests that were on that week. It's, it's, it's only a time thing. But um, look, it's something that, you know, I'm, I, I'm kind of happy to Look into. I, I'm 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 going to move on and take another call. Before I do that, though, yeah. Mister Basketball, are you watching the playoffs? Are you watching the Miami Heat Boston Celtics series? See, are you watching I, a bit of that? I'll be honest with you. In my opinion, basketball's gotten a very very soft. I I grew up in like streetball and one nineties uh, basketball. So when I when I teach it, really, it's really streetball. I'm sure. Nobody, teach nobody calls any fouls. Nobody calls any fouls, Pepper. Hey, I love no that. Blood, no foul. No <laughs> I love foul. it. And, uh, and I find that it's, you'll find, I personally enjoy the sport more. People want to get like the skills that you see people do are a lot better in my opinion. Whereas yeah. now, like with a lot of things, they've kind of, they've kind of watered down a lot of things in the past 20 years, 30 years in my opinion, um, sport wise and people's, people's, I mean, and people's levels of uh, what they can take emotionally, like intelligence, all kinds of stuff. They've, they've kind of watered us down to a very soft yeah. version of ourselves where people aren't as like, as tough mentally and physically as they were back in the day, in my opinion. Anyway. Makes sense to yeah. me that, yeah. No, it so, does. It does. I, I I, remember reading something about the NBA and why it's gone 
the way it's gone. They want everybody. They want every team to score hundred points a game. They yeah. allow they allow travels because yeah. they want points scored all the time. They want um, they want foul counts to build up very quickly. So they're calling fouls for nothing. I was the worst basketball player that ever lived. I picked the game up when I was nineteen, but only because I was very tall. And um, I mean, I fell out in more games <laughs> I mean, because I had no experience of it. You know, everything I was doing was reaching out and touching someone. Um, but I love the sport. Uh, I really do. I think it's a great game. I think at its purest, it's a wonderful game. There's so many possibilities in it's the called, game. Uh, yeah. It's called the thinking man's game, and, yeah. uh, which I appreciate because I, when I mean, when I was a kid, I've got nothing. No one. I've got nothing against anyone who's into football. My brother and my dad are massive in football. But as a kid, I never really understand the concept of why the skill of being able to maneuver a ball between your feet would be beneficial to me apart from outside that game. Yeah. That makes sense. Whereas handling a ball with your hands, bouncing it, jumping, dribbling, like as in the movements of basketball, just feel like, well, even if I'm not playing basketball, I feel like these movements would still be beneficial. Like I, I picked up Taekwondo um, last year, did a couple belts. And because I, I was used to the jumps, like jumping a lot in basketball, doing like jumping kicks in taekwondo was a little bit easier doing on certain legs and stuff so i was like okay that kind of, like me so yeah there's a muscle memory i just kind of thought okay well if i'm gonna pick a sport and be some doing something constantly yeah. i might as well have something that also works outside of the sport as well so that was my opinion but sounds I mean, good hey advanced happy 33rd next week my friend i hope you enjoy it much. lovely to speak again pepper cheers Thank pal brilliant Thanks. call mate thanks for that pepper there that, lovely that that he was coaching a kid with hemophilia and kind of gingerly is a bad word, gingerly, but kind of very carefully broached the subject with the young man that the jabs were in the offing and the jabs were going to be on the table and that with his blood disorder, which haemophilia is, I won't demean you, I won't degrade you by explaining haemophilia to you because I know you know what it is. Think um, think um, Rasputin, the mad monk, who apparently cured it. But, uh, but, but to be able to speak to the youngster on that level and, you know, without getting into trouble because it's, a, it's, it's something you have to tiptoe around speaking to someone who's underage, if you know if they're under 18, absent their parents to speak to someone and to say, listen, you know, uh, these jabs, you know, from what I'm hearing, you know, blood clots and, and whatnot. The time is exactly eight minutes to the top of the air. Uh, I'll take another call if I can. Um, I've got about four minutes left before I've got to get out of the programme. You know the number now, it's 0161818 You can also Skype the programme. The Skype handle is chat with Richie. That's all one word. Brilliant calls uh, tonight. And I've had a number of emails about Chris. Uh, from people who've been moved by Chris's story. Not, not, not anyone with any information as of yet as to what he might do or, or, or how he might access help. That's a horrendous thing, that, isn't it? You know, there but for the grace of God to be attacked and assaulted like that, to be scarred, to be unable to, to leave home and um, not to have access to services that you need, but also the lack of empathy in those who come to care for you when you say, listen, the masks are very stressful for me now. You know, I, 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 I need to see you. I, I, I can't see the masks. The masks bring back memories. It's a traumatic thing. And for them not to even meet them halfway by using a clear mask or a transparent mask, what's wrong with people? Why have we become so awful like that? 
and when I say we, I don't mean you, but why why are people so reluctant? Or has he been unlucky, Chris? Am I wrong? Are most people still in 2022, are most people likely to be the people who would say, oh, Jesus, if I hadn't known that, I'm really sorry. Of course I won't wear the mask. That's what we should hold on to. Maybe the majority of people are likely to be the people who would say, listen, I'm sorry. Of course I'll take the mask off. Um, I'm not going to take another call because I'm running out of time, right? Um, but I will read a couple of quick comments very quickly before I bid you adieu. Hey, the, the great Dr. Paul Craig Roberts is among the guests on tomorrow's Richie Allen show, incidentally. Uh, that's uh, the great Paul Craig Roberts. He'll be live with me tomorrow. Uh, former Reagan, of course, uh, appointee. Yes, okay. Elizabeth says, recently found out that, it is, that the descendant of Pasteur... Louis Pasteur, who had inherited the private diaries of Pasteur, decided that despite him wanting to keep them from the public, um, his descendant felt it was too important and had them published through Gerald Geisen. It apparently, or Geisen, it apparently proves it was more than a rumour that it was some verbal confession on his deathbed. This is what we heard earlier on, that Pasteur allegedly on his death, deathbed even um, discredited or attempted to discredit or discounted germ theory. Thanks for that, Elizabeth, who was in Madrid, as far as I remember. The Orgone Accumulator, says Cookie, Wilhelm Reich. I used to interview many years ago a lovely man called Peter Ind. Peter Ind is one of the world's most famous double bass players. Legendary man, beautiful man. When I met Peter, he was in his late 70s in Spain. As far as I know, um, and I hope I'm right, Peter is still alive and well, or at least he was a year or so ago when I looked him up online. Great man, Peter, great musician. And he was a great student of Wilhelm Reich and the Orgone Generator. Yeah, that's something to look up and look into and how he was discredited and how they attempted to destroy him. Um, we might get into that sometime in the programme. I am sure there are people who have written books who know about Wilhelm or Wilhelm Reich that we uh, could get on the programme to talk to. That's um, just about it for Tuesday's programme. Thanks so much to my pal Michael Rivero. Listen, thanks to Mark Poyerski. Last night on the programme, out of the blue, it caught me completely unawares. It really did. At the very end of the show... Mark Bayerski generously said, he said that for the next month, if someone buys an e-book, that's the digital book, on any e-book on his website, markbayerski.com, he will put that money aside and he will send it to The Richie Allen Show, this radio show that you are listening to, because presumably you like it, which airs uh, five times a week, four news, talk analysis shows and a music show it uh, only exists through your support. There's no advertising money. None. Nobody else. There's, there's nobody coming to me once a week and saying, here, there's your wages. No, it's you. So for Mark to do that is a wonderful act of generosity. MarkPoyersky.com. Thanks again to him for doing that. Thanks to Mike Rivero tonight. Thanks to you for your calls. And especially, Chris, thanks, Chris, for sharing that with us. I have... Noted down your number. I know a few people through my 
travels in the media and I'm going to, to endeavour to find out if there are services available for you that maybe you're not aware of. Obviously no promises. There may not be, but if there are, I'll definitely be in touch with you to let you know. Thanks for listening to today's programme. Look after yourselves and one another. Leaving you with Simon and Garfunkel and The Boxer. Until tomorrow, it's bye from me. I am just